Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. This is Prophet Ashley, and welcome to another week of Becoming Scripturally Organic and Culturally Unmodified. I tell you, every time we jump into this subject matter, it just is like a well that goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Last Tuesday, Dr. Price actually spent some time talking about the prophets and the prophetic in the beginning and how prophets uh, experience burnout and why so many people have heart attacks and the law of sin and death. I mean, if you missed last week's broadcast, you need to go check it out. She talked about how death works in cycles, and death is not a wrestling partner for sport. Death is on assignment. It is a spirit, and it has a goal in mind, and it's nothing to be played with. She also addressed the law of Christ taking out eternal doom, and I was thrilled to learn about that. And um, this whole entire process, this whole entire journey of becoming scripturally organic and culturally unmodified continues to be an ever-unfolding revelation. This has shown me how far off of the mark we have gotten in our walk and in our journey with Christ. And you don't realize it until you start um, digging deep. What else I've realized is that it truly is the apostle's mantle that holds the mysteries to our salvation. When people ask, well, why do we need apostles? And and apostles all died out. Well, you know what? It's for sure we've shut out all of the apostles because with it we've shut out the revelation. We've shut out the depth of the word, the depth of, of, of being connected to God, not just uh, saying what he did, but finding out why he did or did not do it. How many pastors, how many ministers, how many leaders are genuinely at a loss for explaining and knowing who God is as a person and why he does or does not do what he does or does not do? And so becoming scripturally organic and culturally unmodified really should be setting you on a pathway to discovering for yourself through scripture, not ten books and commentaries and what somebody else said and somebody else's thoughts, but actually the word of God, going back to the root origins of terminology, going back to the roots of the Greek and the Hebrew and the dictionaries and the thesauruses and all the other things you need when you read Dr. Price's books anyway, and finding out about our Lord. He is only confusing because the people speaking for him are confused or misinformed. He is not at all. He knows exactly who he is. He has not changed. If he says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, why are we so confused? So clearly the breakdown is not with God, it is with man, which he also addresses in his work, that he was never the problem, and it was always us here on earth. So scripturally organic, culturally unmodified, takes you on a journey. I feel like you're jumping down the rabbit hole. You just go and go and go and go and go until you find out who God is. And I tell you what, he is ever hiding himself and revealing himself to those that he trusts which is why we need scripturally organic 
We need that particular element in all of these offices. So it's really not about the vessel as far as what we should or should not have, but really how it's coming. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, we say that about attorneys. Oh, you know those attorneys. Oh, you can't trust an attorney. Well, find a trustworthy one. They're out there. Plenty. A plenty. You're looking rather fabulous here, Apostle. Scripture organic? Yeah, that's organic yellow. Organic yellow. You know, I'm excited about tomorrow. Look who's fresh. Come on, look at fresh. Oh, we'll get you set up in just one second. <laughs> you know, I got my friends still here, so you know I'm all excited. And so you, Block Talk, get to hear the first part of it while we pull up the cameras to just welcome. Apostle Nona Parker again, because we're going to sit and talk about whatever she says. She says she got a word for us this week. Come on, come through. You know what you told me? I am L-I-V-E. I am live. They tell me I am live, which means I should not be looking around and fidgeting and fumbling. So I'm going to not do that. (laughs) How about this? I'm going to really be cool and see what's going to happen. Now, let's see how these wires work. And I'm so excited about the wires because I'm learning how to do stuff. You got it? Yeah. All right. I am there. Hi, Periscope. All of you all should be getting on planes to come see me. (laughs) That's right. Hey, (laughs) Plenty of time for you to get on your plane and come see me and come Join us for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, where people are already arriving. They've been, well, they've been slowly arriving, <laughs> you know, early. And I love the early birds. You know, the early birds, they get a chance to fellowship, rest up, and get to know each other before we get involved. So I'm excited about that. You want to sit in your chair? Come on in. You just, you know what? You just can't help it, can you? I can't. You just can't. <laughs> you just can't help it. I'm telling you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because you know, that's what y'all bless America. We are blessed up. We are blessed up, right? We are super mega blessed. She cannot help it. So we're just going to rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> and again, I say rejoice. I'm excited about tonight. So you have time. Now, you might not be able to get a ticket unless you're a very well-off person financially and, you know, $800,000 is not a problem for you. If you're one of those people, it's worth it. Worth the price. Press on it. However, we still have, that's air. We can do ground. I don't know that we can do C. In between. Oh, right. You know, not to mention Oklahoma's like, where, what kind of water we got? We don't know. In the middle of, middle of, middle of no water. In the middle of no water. Like, yeah. You know, we have that river, though. Which goes nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a river. We have a river, and I like it. Um, so, but anyhow, you can drive. You can catch a bus. You've got time. Get a bus. Get a bus ticket. You know, and don't, you know, just decide, God, this is for you I'm doing this. You know, you may never bust it anywhere else, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do this for you, to, uh, dear Lord. Now, you can do a bus. You can get a car, meet some people who are still driving in. Maybe they might drive through your state. They'll pick you up and bring you here, but you don't want to miss this. 
You know, I am so excited. Well, that's because God is landing. You know he's landing. He's landing. He is is really landing. I am excited. I have been excited for the last three days because of what God is doing Mm -hmm. and what he's going to do. I've had my daughter in the Lord, mentee, sister, pick one. Pick them all. All right, pick them all. Pick them all. You're the all-purpose one. And so I've had it with me. We've been here almost a week. Yeah. And it's coming to an end. So I couldn't let her leave without visiting us again and us getting some of those pearls from the great state of Illinois. Absolutely. Hey, Periscope. <laughs> hey, Facebook Live. Are we Facebook Live? Are we Facebook Live? <laughs> we got a family out there. That is a family to me. You all know that. I never... Never forget that, that you are family, and you are, we are one in God, the family of God. You know, Ephesians talk about the family of God. Yes, Lord, I got a Bible around here somewhere. You know, something normal, going to find it somewhere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we are the family of God. Yes. And what were we talking about before the show? Culture. Yes. We were talking about culture. So I got something on the screen. Can they see the culture on the screen? Let's see. Is it on the screen? I don't think it's all there. Yeah, I think it's off somewhere. We're just going to try again. It usually comes up big, but, you know, this is our trusty little, how's that? Better. We're talking about culture, and, and, and the reason being, and I think we had a very animated discussion. I did too. A very animated discussion. So you know that my natural is new era apostleship. My commission is scripturally organic, culturally modified Christians. New era apostleship, and we are discipling. Isn't that great? That's right. We are discipling apostolic Christians who are Scripturally organic and culturally unmodified. Mm-hmm. We got to do it. Now, when you come here, you're going to have, listen, guys, if you were on Sunday, you would have seen I had a shirt, have a bracelet. My bracelet was wonderful. Had my shirt, got my slap cloth. You know, I got the chain. Yeah, they, I was going to put on my necklace. They told me I couldn't do that. <laughs> you know, Prophet Ashley will intervene. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she told me I couldn't do that, so I couldn't put on my necklace. But you want to come here, we have all kinds of things. Because scripturally organic, culturally unmodified Christianity defines the apostolic Christian better than anything else. Mm-hmm. Nothing else better defines the apostolic Christian. Now, if you've been on this journey with me for, well, more than a year now, but if you've been on this journey with me, you know that this started out as discipling apostolic Christians. And we did it under the books that I've written, the ABCs of Apostleship. We got one up there, and then we've got this big one down here. Yeah, see? Mm-hmm. And this is the one for congregations. If you're an apostle, prophet, if your church is going apostolic and you don't have an idea how to do it, because how many people, and you know, Apostle Nona, how many people have a, you have this guest minister comes in, runs through your place, stand up and say, you are an apostle, and everybody's like, yay, we sing songs, we swing our little rides around, hallelujah, we dance, we don't be doing we chant, and then when, when it's all over, you're like, what does that mean? I know. What just happened? What just happened to us? And nothing changes, so you, you come back to church next week, and your pastor now tells you that you must call him or her an apostle, and you're like, but what does that mean? 
you know, and, and, and they say it as if we've gone mainstream. You know, we're still trying to get mainstream. We're still trying to get there. We're going to get there. And you can't have a mainstream until it can be something that takes the masses. That's one thing the apostleship and the prophetic have not done, not connected to the masses. You've got to. They've got to have a motivation for wanting to do something different with their Christianity. Mm-hmm. So you go in, and so the next Sunday, hallelujah, you go in, and you are telling everybody you're an apostle, and all your family and friends have mixed reviews. Because some of them don't know what an apostle is. Most of them don't. Most, okay, most of them don't. <laughs> Don't know what an apostle is. We don't know what an apostle is. And, and, and the other half think they're all dead. So it's been an uphill climb for this particular office, but it's still the will of God. And so moving on, moving on, so God finally did that. And when I wrote ABCs of Apostleship, I wrote it because I realized that we in the pulpit knew a lot more about apostleship than you in the pew. But you, there are more of you than there are of us. So I thought it would be nice if we educated them. It would be good if we let you know what happens because people get afraid of change. And that's something I address in the book. People get afraid of change. Change, good change, bad change. Some people can't even stand, take it good or bad. They don't care. They just like life to stay the way it is. And so getting people to, to understand what apostles are. People, somebody, a guy asked me on the, just on the spot. He said, so right away. What's an apostle? I said, a deity's ambassador. I was so sorry. He didn't expect that because he thought I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. I said, a deity's ambassador. That's what it was. Because they had ambassadors before we did. Because mm-hmm. um, you know God's will exists before ours. And so he was stunned. We didn't have much more conversation after that. Can't tell you why. But, but you need to be able to answer things, these kinds of things like that. People don't have to have for a long dissertation. Yeah. You know, and so I began to talk about that, and that's when I, you know, I wrote that definition in my book. You know, how many of y'all know I wrote a lot of books? Yes, you did. You found all my secrets. I got them all. <laughs> but I wrote it in this book, Eternity Generals, mm-hmm. and really understanding what an apostle is, because I was in a lot of books and stuff and listened to, you know, various sermons. I never quite wrapped my head around that. As most people don't. Yeah, I didn't. So I had to go to God. And when I went to God, this is what he told me. He said, this is what an apostle is to me. I said, no kidding. So he finally laid it out, and I was able to write it in my book. My first book, God's Apostle Advice, will be back on the market next year. For those beginning, <laughs> for those beginning and intermediate uh, apostles and those, you know, coming on up, or you all who just want a general picture of what it is. It's a phenomenal book. The back of it is full of something like 120 or so scriptures related to apostleship. Because quite frankly, the entire New Testament is about apostleship. Related to it in some way, because that's how God set it up. So I started out. We did the ABCs, and we went from ABCs to ABCs to discipling apostolic Christians, and then finally God put that thing on. We got to, he immantled that thing, and he immantled it with scripture organic, culturally unmodified Christianity. So good. Isn't that good? Yeah. But you know, we got a good God. I know we do. Oh, sugar. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, we have been enjoying the goodness of God over these last few days. So now we're clear. This is where we are. But well, why is that? Because apostles are who founded and kicked off the church. 
We don't like to discuss that. That's kind of like that secret thing we don't want anybody to know mm-hmm. because most of us think that pastors start churches. That's, they may start churches today, but they didn't start their church. Pastors did not start their church. And you know why they didn't? Because it didn't exist. We had no pastors under the Lord Jesus Christ ministry or mantle when the church started. Here's a flash. We did not have evangelists, pastors, or teachers because they're all church ministries. and, And the prophets had been expired, and God brought them into the his, his new creation kingdom on earth by way of the apostles. Mm-hmm. And so they just migrated over because apostles founded natural Israel. That's so you see, we need to know this because we have people arguing about there ain't no such thing as an apostle today. I'll tell you what, we got a lot more validity than a pastor today. How about that? I think that's great. We got a lot of validity. Mm-hmm. That's true. We, I mean, because it was apostles that, that, that got the law, wrote the commandments, interpreted it for the, for the entire world, disseminated it as the commandments of God. They are the foundation. As a matter of fact, Peter and Paul said that you are, you are not even in Christianity if you're not going according to their revelation. And every time you read the New Testament outside the gospel, mm-hmm. I can even include the gospel because we got Jesus there. Well, and we have the 12. Right. But outside of the gospel, you're bumping into an apostle. Absolutely. How they think, their mind, what they do, their requirements. Everything. It's all clear. It's all clear. And I like that. And you know what? We often say, well, outside of the Gospels. But what did Jesus do when he kicked off the Gospels? He got 12 apostles. And they, hallelujah, you are going to love me today, right? Because you do, because we're family. Hallelujah. And the, the, the 12 apostles, along with Jesus Christ, were under the law. See? We keep saying that, you know, we don't need apostles because the church has already been born. And you know what? That would be really good if it wasn't for those gospels. I mean, the gospels wreck that premise, don't they? The church wasn't born. When Jesus named the 12 apostles, there was no church. But you know what there was? A nation. A kingdom, a theocracy that just wasn't a church. So for three and a half years, Jesus had these apostles who were wrapping up the law of Moses and fulfilling the words of the prophets. Now that's not, you know, that's not something that's hard. You know, when I was looking for it, all of that, I wish somebody had written that down for me when I was trying to figure out who I was. And what it meant. Because you can take that. Some of you all are are heading at their wall right now. You have your your elders and your your seniors, your pastors, and your bishops and whatever telling you ain't no such thing as an apostle. I just want you to understand, apostles predate bishops in the church because they predate the church. So apostles predate the bishops. An apostle kicked off the nation because Moses is considered to be an Old Testament type of the apostle, which is why God said when he died, whatever he did with Moses, he would not do again, the life of in Israel. Now, he did it in the world, but here we go. And Moses prophesied that Jesus would come and he would be a prophet just like he was, which was the untypical prophet, a very apostolic type of character. 
So I want you to hear this because this is so good because we haven't been in our conversation, but I want to lay this foundation because some of you all are new to me. Others are just joining me, and some of you just may have plain old forgotten. It's been a while. It's been a little bit since we've had this. So there were no, if there was no church when the 12 were chosen, then there couldn't be a bishop, a pastor, an evangelist, or a teacher. Let's just lay that out. Come on, we get where's my sound effect? You know the sound effect girl is fire. No, <laughs> I'm booting up my machine. Right <laughs> now, she's reapplying. She's reapplying. Yeah, so you you recertified girl. Extension. Extension. But think about it, because see, I, listen. How many of you out there? I want you to respond to me and let me know what you think about what I just said, because it is startling and it's unnerving and it's killing a lot of theology. We've got full-fledged theological institutions that have not recognized this. How do you teach the Bible and miss this? You can't even teach the Bible. You know, I mean, not, not a lot of them do. I mean, not all of them do. I won't say not a lot because I don't know that. But not all of them do. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on this because we have been told that apostles and prophets are done away with because the church is born. But yet prophets birth a nation and not a church. Am I rolling tonight? You rolling. I'm going to get there. And apostles served a nation before there was a church. So the church cannot define what didn't, what it was not around to witness. It's kind of like your kids defining you and your teens. If you didn't have them in your teens, how are they going to know? I love this because it's true. And so, you know, when you deal with the Bible, you just read the book. It's not, you know, all of this here is not just crazy stuff. It's there. And so Jesus said the first thing he did was he got and went and he chose 12 disciples as he prayed all night long. So obviously heaven had already picked apostles. He prayed all night long. He chose these these 12. And then if you stop at just one gospel, you just say, well, you know, he chose them, but they really weren't apostles. Well, Luke says that he chose them and surnamed them. He renamed them. He took them from the name disciples, and he put them under the title of apostles, Mm -hmm. and then proceeded to train them, Mm -hmm. ruling training. So he did that, and then you don't know until Hebrews that Jesus actually came as an apostle incognito because he had to fulfill Moses' word, and since he was sent from heaven, he was not sent from another nation. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. You talked about ruling. <laughs> you like ruling. Training. Oh, when they're ruling? Yeah, but you know, when we read it in the scriptures, we just think, he got them up one morning and said, get dressed, and we'll you out. Two by two. Two by two. And these, da-da-da-da-da, you know, take, don't take this and take this and don't do this and don't do that. And it can't be, it was a big old experiment. Mm-hmm. We don't look at it as training. Oh, no, that was OJT. Yeah, because we don't see in the scriptures their failures. Mm-hmm. We see their success. Right. But they had to have had failures. Yeah. Well, they come up in the epistles. <laughs> they be from all the time. I'm yeah. telling you, find their place in the epistles. That's true. You, know, you get to see, you know, where they just didn't make it. But then we got Peter. Remember, Jesus already died. Peter talking about, you know, Lord, let it not be so for you. You know, Jesus got to turn around and slap Satan out of him. And he's going to be the one that's going to found the church and be the head of it. Right. All right? And then 
then we got Judas sitting there having dinner and Satan waiting on the other side for Judas to finish eating so he could jump in and, and betray Jesus. And the devil they couldn't catch. And uh, thank you. All of them, right? All of them. And so here we are. I'm loving this. So, so when you think about this, and you think about how we've been taught, why apostles are walking around here talking about, well, you know, I guess we shouldn't do this. And pastors are telling apostles what they can and cannot do. Share their vote. There's no, they don't even have a script for that. There's no script for that. They don't have a script. They don't. You know, they don't have a script to tell apostles what to do. We have a script that tells us how to entreat them and treat them with honor and respect. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the conflict in the office, pastors will always throw the apostles out. Mm-hmm. Poor little John can't get in his own church. Mm-hmm. All right, started the thing, and then little, you know, geography, my church now. This is my turn up. You know? And so when we talk about this, these kinds of things, these are real issues. And of course, we have a whole training program for which you are in. I am in. She is in the training program, and so is Prophet. We're there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, see, she loves it. Mm-hmm. You know? So I guess it depends on perspective. But the training is necessary. And not only was the training necessary, they had to be trained by Jesus for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Because, see, in that environment, everywhere was a classroom, which is why we got university. Because right. everything was just, knowledge was universal. Every element of nature and creation and culture and society was open for a class lesson. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so he, Jesus is training them. He died. He comes back from the grave three days later, and we hear a 40-day crash course on how to serve the Lord Jesus Christ as an eternal man. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm excited. Yes, uh, as an eternal mm-hmm. man. Because yes. mm-hmm. they understood how to serve him under Moses' law. Oh, but how are you going to serve him, hallelujah, with the Holy Ghost? That's right. And you're going to all nations. Yeah. All nations. Yeah. I'm excited, and so I wanted you to understand why we did this, and we'll understand. We went on through that, came on down, just to give you a little backstory, because people often say, well, I don't know what that is. It's a scripture, but you know what? You've got to go to a school that's going to handle the Bible mm. instead of books about it. That's good about Well, I know. I'm probably, you realize we talked to a whole lot of MDs and MPOs and all of them things, and people are like, Oh, no, we didn't read the Bible. Mm-hmm. We read books about the Bible. Mm-hmm. We read the commentaries and the commentators. Some of y'all out there listening to me, and that God called you to be an apostle. You went to a classic school, and you came out still not an apostle mm-hmm. because there was no program for it. But I have one. I have a very thorough, very comprehensive, and very Bible-concentric program. And I love that. So we're, we're here just kind of going through that tonight. wanted you to understand. So from that, all of that you see, God let me know that the first Christians to ever hit planet Earth were apostolic. And from there informed me that all Christians begin their Christianity apostolic. Talk about resetting the paradigm. Mm-hmm. We have to reset some things. All Christians begin their Christianity apostolic. Now, you may become an apostolic Baptist, 
you're an apostolic Christian, your last name is Baptist, mm-hmm. your last name might be Methodist, Episcopalian, you know, your last name might be what? But we have a whole bunch of them, don't we have some? Yeah. You know, word of faith, charismatic, you can have a whole lot of other last names. But your first name is apostolic. Because when you get to heaven, the only office Jesus takes and keeps into effect into the afterlife is the office of the apostle. Hit it. Come on, girl. I have the sacred cow tipping sacred. <laughs> We're tipping sacred cows tonight. <laughs> I love it. I'll be done tipped over. Hallelujah. Crock a cow. And so it's important for you to understand why this is legitimate. Because I hear people say a whole lot of things. Now, before we get on back to our conversation, I just want to deal with the little um, the gender bias. Hallelujah, because Jesus is not biased. So if you bias, you bias according to the flesh. And so some of you are like, well, yeah, but God didn't call a woman to do whatever. And he probably didn't call a Gentile either until the blood. But the blood changes things. The blood erases the barrier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You understand that those Levites had to be Levites. And even converts and proselytes, proselytes couldn't do it. So if you, my Gentile brother, mm-hmm. can handle anything of God's sacredness and not Zeus's, then so can I. Otherwise, one of us not saved. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because my Bible said there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile. Mm-hmm. We're all the same. So I'm not buying that, and I don't really care about that, because I'm going to tell you right now that Jesus rose from the dead as the eternal man. So even his gender and all of that were moot points by the time he came back. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I just want to say that so we can just kill that sacred cow. Come on, Elsie. Come on, move. Come on, move. Come on, move. move. Do I have to do all of the work for us? <laughs> I have the other one up. Okay. <laughs> Sharing the glass ceiling. Over women. I love it. <laughs> Shattering the glass ceiling. You know, I've been doing this over a year. I have to keep it interesting, guys, don't you think? It has to be interesting. Otherwise, you know, why do this? So I wanted to get that out to you. So we are literally scripturally organic, culturally unmodified, under new era apostleship. And I trademarked that. Because that was my commission. Under new era apostleship. And I love it because it's important that we are clear that this is God. Now, you know, people don't believe what they want to believe and disbelieve what they want to disbelieve. I really don't care about that because we're on a commission. You know, there are some people on a mission, but I'm on a commission. And that's what apostles have. So having had that, culturally unmodified, what do we mean? We're, we're going to shift our conversation now to just talk a little bit about what that means. We talked about culture earlier today. She is one of our speakers. Apostle Nona is one of our, our, our speakers. And I'm excited because she has some wonderful stuff to share about culture and about prophets. 
Now, we're not going to give away the store because that's just not right for all of the people who press their what? Mm-hmm. But we are. Yeah. We don't do that. No, no, you know, because you need to. You know, honey, you got to face it up. We do this every year. You got 363 days to face it up. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing it every year for, what, 14 years, 15 years? I don't even know anymore. But anyway, I probably should know. Next year, we're going to start. We'll start doing the number annually. But so we do this uh, every year. We've had a blast doing this, but this year she's got something very special, and she shared it with me, and I knew that our registrants and our attendees needed to hear what she had to say, and prophets needed to hear it, because she really, God took her on a literal trip, not just a spiritual one, but a literal journey into the area and the consciousness of culture particularly the religious cultures of this world. And so she's addressing that. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell it all, but you can give a little bit of a sample. Mm-hmm. Of what I will. Just a little sample. Okay. Just a little bit. Wet the whistle. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did. I went on a trip. You guys remember, many of you remember, I went on a cruise. I thought it was a vacation, and it was not. It was a learning experience from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he does that sometimes. So anyway, and I was able to go into the Mayan culture, the Mayan culture. And uh, a part of my cruise was going to the Mayan ruins. What I didn't know is that we were going to have a tour guide that was so good at teaching us what the entire culture was about. And I found out that it was not ethnicity. It was about deity worship. Mm. I just want to hold on, hold on. So find something in there. Oh, we need that. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a different one. Because I want you to hear this. I, I don't lose your thought. But did you hear that? Because I've been telling you it's all about God because every man walks in the name of his God. So it's all about God. So repeat that last sentence again because it's just too good to let it down. Okay. The Mayan culture was not about ethnicity. It was about deity worship. And so, oh, hold on. Sound effect. So, yeah, it was all about deity worship. And I had the experience of going uh, into a replicated temple mm-hmm. and finding out that for these people, and it's not just the Mayans, but it's all cultures, that for these people, everything in their lives is associated with the worship of their deity. I mean, when I say everything, I mean everything in their existence is crafted for the worship of the gods that they serve. Now, didn't we just have this great big hoopsie over the Mayan calendar? Yeah. And our country was chasing it, but we can't open our Bible. And our prophets were prophesying from it. No. You're yeah. kidding. Tell us about it. Did you hear that? Oh, wait a minute. Come on. All right. Yeah, yeah we needed a while on that. He's talking about the prophets of the Most High God pulling information from the culture of the Mayans to begin to change their prophetic words. Mm. To suit the Mayan to calendar. suit the Mayan calendar because the cultures of this world were putting a demand on it. And I'll tell you something. You know, I, I like to hear you say that because when you have First of all, we always say, be careful who opens you up as a prophet. Be careful 
of the prophet that awakens your prophet spirit. Now, here's what many people don't know. Your prophet's gifting can work on uh, just uh, uh, you know autonomously can work independently. I'll use that word. Your prophet's gifting can, but only the right prophet can open your prophet's spirit. And if you have the wrong one open your prophet's spirit, then you will, from that point on, prophesy by the deity that prophet serves. And if that prophet is a double agent or a freelancer like Balaam, Mm -hmm. then you will never know if the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking through you Mm -hmm. because you will always be pressed into psychism and divination because you have no access to the eternal archives of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, did I not say that? You said it. See, the whole purpose for God getting you awakened by the right prophet is that you would receive the classification to access the eternal archives that God has for everything he created. So when you hear all of that earthly stuff, that sensual stuff and whatever, from these prophets is because they are their prophet spirit has never opened, which is why you all and you all know it. You're like, but she ain't no prophet. She ain't no prophet. That can't be God. That's not God. And you don't know where the missing link is. So I just gave you a free class. The missing link is their prophet spirit is a is the domain of the Lord Jesus Christ. If a masterful prophet opens it up. And in order for you to be a master, you've got to cut heavy covenant with your deity. If a masterful prophet opens it up and that prophet is against Jesus Christ, that prophet is forever lost in that mantle. Not in salvation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in God's service. They're forever lost. They can't find their way. They can't hear what's going on. They don't know what's saying. But worst of all, they cannot discern the spirit of Christ from any other spirit in the vicinity. And they are a, a, a live channel. When I say a live channel, I mean their channel is open for any spirit that knows how to maneuver it to respond to it, to receive its transmission. So I think it's important when you said that. I, I just wanted to jump in on that because that was so, so very good that the prophets were shifting their Christ heritage to the Mayan culture to give the world the prophecies they wanted to hear. Is that what I heard you say? What you heard me say. And we do it so regularly that we don't realize. You said it the other night on the broadcast. The number one goal of the prophet is to tell our world what God is speaking. Mm -hmm. Not what he's speaking, but which God is speaking. Mm -hmm. Which God is speaking. And when we mimic the speech of the other God, we become false prophets. Mm-hmm. And it's just that easy. It's just that easy. Now, here's something that's interesting. I like that. So they become false prophets because a false prophet is not not only a person. Can we think this? A false prophet is a prophet whose prophecies don't come to pass. Not true. A lot of false prophets' prophecies come to pass. Absolutely. Because, you know, people got two angels and two devils. Well, it's the truth, and they got two angels, two angels and two devils. You know, mm-hmm. the angel, we, we say two, but theoretically, you know, we get a pair of angels, a pair of devils. Anyway, we get one angel, at least one of each. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to recognize that the dark part, the book of Adam, which I'll talk about in my dictionary, I do have one. I have a trusty little dictionary here. I've been out a long time. I'm so excited because it's, 
Woo, my dictionary has been circulating over 10 years, still selling. Prophet's dictionary, you want to get it. But in there, I talk about the book of Adam, the book of the generations of Adam, and the book of Christ. And so if you don't ever get that opening, you never access the Christ book or the Christian book of the person you're prophesying to. Mm-hmm. Do you know a true prophet can uh, can literally access the Christ book in a person who's not saved? Mm. But let's go back. So a false prophet is a prophet that prophesies by a fallen angel, because false gods are number of fallen angels. So they are prophesying by a, a devil, fallen angel, they're devils mm-hmm. or demons, depending on which one we're talking about. And so even if that word comes to pass, that's what he said in Deuteronomy 13, even if the word comes to pass, you're not to follow it. Yeah. Why? Because you'll know that word because it turns you away from your God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That word say, oh, God doesn't mind if you have a boyfriend, and God doesn't mind if you sleep around, and God doesn't mind if you don't go to church. God's okay with that. And, you know, I had a visit from God myself, and he told me that that was religious. He told me that that was, that was legalistic. See, that uh, uh, true prophets understand that all creation runs on law. Yeah, and see, that right there. Is that powerful? That's powerful. That right there, I'm telling you, those are the gods of our culture speaking. They are. And we are prophesying by uh, the voice of another god. Exactly. And when we talk about culture, because, you you know, her hot button this week is going to be culture. And since we are cultural modified, it was just totally ridiculous not to have you there doing your teaching on culture. Now, you were told that these that, that America has no religion, so why were y'all pushing the Mayan calendar? You know? I feel the same way about the guy that said the end of the world was coming in that yeah. September. I said, no, it's not, because I just like to live in without it. He tell me about it then. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need him to tell me, get some luggage, mm-hmm. you know, something, pay the bill, you know, <laughs> make a will, something. Well, they're a race of people created for a God. A race of people. Hmm. Say it again. A race of people created for a God. <laughs> We're just going to let her have her fun, you know? When people serve you almost 20 years, you give them a lot of latitude. You know? And when they serve you faithfully for 20 years, you give them a great latitude. Mm-hmm. She has hit both of those, so we let her play. Hallelujah. We let her play with her toys. So I want you to think differently as we do it. So what else did you want to share about your experience? I'm talking about the not ethnicity, but it's about a God, right? Yeah. About a deity, and that they were people created for a Ideas. Yes. Now, one of the things that I saw is that the requirement of their God is that everything that, that comes into the world, even stuff that's just normal, natural stuff for their pleasure, it has to be dedicated to their God first. first. I mean, and, and so what they do, they actually, in their home, they create uh, false altars, and they bring everything that they bring into their world to their altar. Mm-hmm. They bring Coca-Cola to their altar. Mm. If it's introduced into their world, I mean, because you got to remember, they're disconnected from our world. I think we think everybody in the world drinks Coke. Yeah. You know, right. junk. You know any new, any new way tools that they use for their culture, whether it's to cook with, whether it's to sew with, to create their clothes, they bring it to that altar. It's there. Their entire worship system is created for their life, not their life for their worship system. Does that make sense? Mm. They, they, 
they, they create an entire worship system that emulates their whole life, everything. They even have, and well, they're, kind of, they're trying to get away from this because other cultures are pushing back on it. But one of the things that they have is they have actual families. The only purpose that they are in their group is so that they can have babies to sacrifice to their God. And this is uh, 2017, and this is what, but wait a minute, but see, you all, you know, how many of y'all name your daughter Maya? Okay? See, you all, see, they, they, just, they sell us the pretty picture. We mm-hmm. see the, the storefront. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She went into the back office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the storefront is really lovely. Isn't it wonderful? It is. It's really lovely. You know, you're free. Do you know what? You said something. You have to say it about culture because you said the first point of conversion in culture was sex. It is. That is the number one. That's point number one. The first, see, every deity has to ensure that they can procreate. Mm-hmm. They, so that they can be they're working all the way yeah, They're concerned about generations. Mm-hmm. They have to keep themselves going. And so the, the number one point in culture worship or deity worship is always that. And it is just woven into their, into their worship system. But isn't it in ours? Of course it is. That's the we problem. Call it, but we call it dated, and we do it by free will. Absolutely. It's not free Absolutely. will, baby, because, honey, let me tell you something. If you're going to walk into a bar and you're behind so hot, you're going to throw and let somebody that you don't even know up in there, you don't know where they've been or where they're going, that's not your free will, baby. That is your out-of-control body, and a spirit is forcing, forcing. A, because that's a traveling thing. Because what? Devils travel on sex. They travel on human, human fluids. Yes, they do. And human fluids, is, and sex being the one that everybody will just keep doing. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. You know, we'll just keep doing it. And we'll find, turn off the faucet yeah, and, and get out of the pleasure in it. In it. Yes. You play, you play and, it's a, and it's intensified. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think that for, particularly for this prophetic uh, era that we're in, that is the number, one of the number one downfalls of our prophets today, mm-hmm. the dating and the sex. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm, we're not gonna get into all of that tonight. You can if you want to, because you're the apostle. I got a couple minutes. Obviously, you, know, you got, I got some minutes. Couple, I got some minutes. But, but the whole day, I think what, the drawback, the problem that we've had, is that as a church, because we've not understood God, and mm-hmm. that because we've not understood what we're contending with, mm-hmm. we have not been able to answer the question for our people, mm-hmm. the, the the Lord's people, the nation of the Lord's, uh, uh, the people of the Lord's nation. We've not been able to say to them, but how do we do this? Mm-hmm. What is the answer? Mm-hmm. And, of course, because we have been cross-pollinated with culture, mm-hmm. and we really have. we got a lot of seeds of culture mm-hmm. growing up in the church. Everything is fed by sex. Yep. You know, commercials, music, everything is, is being fed by sex. Because those deities still need the same laws working in free will. Yes, they did. Now, I'm going to say that again because that was really good. Yeah. I want you to think that. They did. See, those people back then, they did it by compulsion because they had, that was, that was no, no other. That was their life and nothing else. They were, it was tied to their nation. It was mm-hmm. tied to their, their uh, region, their geographical location, mm-hmm. their, their gene pool. So they didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. But here, these people are still obeying the laws of perversion, free will. Yes. Yeah. 
and it's the free will that, that, that's the worst. Because you can't say, well, I didn't even know that was so bad. Right. No, uh-uh. We, everybody heard about Ten Commandments. Yeah. You are threats, yeah. at least up until the 80s and 90s. Well, you know, you heard Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And so I say this because I think that's very important. And it's important for you to recognize that people need, Satan needs an indiscriminate sexual climate to replicate himself. That's why all those, y'all just love those little religions. Don't you just love it? Yeah, well, you know, they don't have any restrictions on this or restrictions on that. Well, of course they wouldn't because what they, what they need to survive, they make you love. Yeah. And we deny how hard Jesus Christ came down on he came down very hard on it. Mm-hmm. And if we really are honest with us, sex is the thing that bothers us the most mm-hmm. when we do it wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it'll talk. It'll talk. I mean, you can tell a lie, mm-hmm. you know, and you know it's a lie, but you get over that. But that sex thing hangs with you. Yeah. That sexual encounter hangs with you. Why is that? Because you have just traded out your God for another. But what did he say in First Corinthians? He said what? When you join yourself to a harlot, you become one. You become one that person, meaning you are converted. Mhm, mhm, mhm. You are converted, and they can find the leftover physical material in your body for how long? But clearly, Jesus showed he can find the spiritual material yeah. because the woman at the well. What did he say? You've had six husbands. Now, he often someplace not even in his own town. And the one you with is not That's your husband. Mm-hmm. So you have had six marriages. A lot of y'all out there, you're so excited. Yeah, well, six must be a charm. No, six is a curse. Yes, it is. Clearly, it's a curse. I, and, I mean, think about it. The covenant of marriage is cut with sex. Thank you. Not, not, not to white dress and your little cake and your little two little guys on the table. That's 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 it's a blood covenant. It's a blood covenant. So now, if you, which is why God considers folk who are daters bigamous. Mm-hmm. When you have that, all those sexual God calls them bigamous because you have married way too many folks. And so what do we do? We leave church because we don't want to feel condemnation. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I can get that. I'm with you 100%. Condemnation is horrible, but hell is worse. And sometimes that hell isn't in the grave. Sometimes it's when God decides to let everything run its course and have full course in your life and consequences. But we don't think about that. So then if you think about it, then sex is a religious act. It is. In these, it's with these cultures. It's a religious religion. And how many television shows? Have, but it's just so spiritual. Mm-hmm. Thanks for mm-hmm. telling us. We've been saying it forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've been saying it forever. Yeah. And you join yourself with the spirit of that person's faith, faith because those spirits enter the body and they assimilate with the physiological makeup so that they guarantee to have input in your genetic reproduction. Mm-hmm. And if not, if you can't reproduce, then guess what else they appreciate? They appreciate you passing them on. You are multiplying them, so every seed will bring forth after its own kind. So we can talk culture all day long. Remember, we have a few minutes, but we talked about that your, your concern over the prophets crafting a culture. So do you, you want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, oh. I, I do. I, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Now, yeah, no, so you can't give them too much now. A little yeah, bit, a little nugget. Little bit. All right, you all understand, just a nugget. Mm-hmm. So come on, what you all say. Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
many of us think that we are required to craft a culture for Christ, for the church, for Christianity, what have you. And what I found, Dr. Price, is that going all the way back to our root, to Abraham, the one thing that God did is he pulled him out of culture. Out of culture. He moved him. He said, I want you to leave your, your land, your family ties, and every, even the gods that you serve. Mm-hmm. Breaking covenant with all of the culture and all of the things of the culture. And he said, and I want to move you to a place where I can in you start not a new, not, not a new culture, but a new nation. Thank you. A new nation. That was a national move. Yes, it was a national move. And so, and so here we are. Yes, okay, we think about Jesus Christ's uh, nation. We think about the church being a nation. Some of us do. Yeah, most of us are the congregation. But what we want to do is we want to replicate the very thing that God pulled Abraham out of. Mm-hmm. We want to take this nation and just fuse it over with another culture. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found out is that cultures always call, it's a calling card for other deities. It has to. It has to, because that's what, that's what they exist in. Mm-hmm. They exist in cultures. Mm-hmm. That's why you can have, like our country, the United States of America, plethora of gods that we're serving. Why? Because we have all these different cultures embedded in our nation. Mm-hmm. And yet... Jesus Christ and the God and the and we're, not Bible, to and we're not trying to convert them. And the Bible is constantly saying things like, "Come out from among them and be separated." Mm-hmm. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar. That word peculiar means exclusive. Mm-hmm. There's an exclusivity that comes along with our nationality now, yes, and and we are not required to craft a culture for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Jesus, everything comes out of Him. Everything is in Him. And that the expression of everything that is in him, that is what we craft. Not just the set. I did some research on just the um, the definition of culture. Mm-hmm. And the, the definition of culture always lends back to certain groups. Mm-hmm. We're no longer a group. Mm-hmm. Out of us, all of the families of the earth are blessed. And we define, we define how families live. I'm going to go someplace with that. That's a very good statement. Are you all enjoying this? All right. But, you know, I want to go someplace with that because I want to tell you the elements of culture are all earthly. Yeah, they are. Oh, uh, every, every definition, every element from culture is from the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and, and James said the wisdom from the earth is what? It's self-serving. Yeah. All right? It's, 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 it's service. It's worldly, mm-hmm. and it's demonic. Mm-hmm. So you cannot have a Christian culture that defines a, an eternal Christ who lives in the heavenlies, who began in the heavenlies, and who ends in the heavenlies. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ cannot have a culture because he is, his world is the archetype and the church is the prototype of his world self-replicating. Everything else, not culture. Now, let me just add one little piece to this because mm-hmm. I just think this is just a good piece of information for the saints of the God. And I want to tell you this. Heaven needed no culture until Lucifer changed his family tree. Mm-hmm. When he abdicated from his position and renounced the light, culture was born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he introduced not a new religion, which is what we think, he introduced a new nationality, the children of darkness. 
Because in God's world, there was light. Everybody was born light. Everybody was brought into existence whole and mature. God, you know, there are mature seeds and there are immature seeds, even today. And so God didn't need culture because he had a kingdom. And so Jesus comes to the planet and says that thine is the kingdom and the power. So God is a kingdom, not a culture, because it's the archetype of all life, and the church, his ecclesia, is the prototype of this species being assimilated in that kingdom. Mm-hmm. So there is no culture for Christianity because we're the redeemed of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, we have practices how we practice. In other words, we have behaviors that we must have. Mm-hmm. And our behaviors are not because we're establishing a culture. We are living out the seed of Christ in us. Yeah. And Dr. Parker, we talked a while ago about cult coming from the word culture. culture. Mm-hmm. Okay, which goes back again with a cult. What you have is an, a, a group of people. They're separating themselves. They're separating itself from, from something else. else. Yeah, correct. For the sake of the deity. That has convinced us. That's going to start. All right? Now, you can say that, but see, I told you, Christianity is the only religion that did not get its start on earth. We got our start in Christ. We were in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before God made anything else, he had a Jesus. And he put in Jesus everything, the, the seed and the life force of everything that he would bring into existence because that's how, that's what you do when you make a king. And Jesus was going to be the king over all. He had his son. He's his offspring. He's going to be king. A king, is the king doesn't just acquire, the king embodies. And so Jesus embodied it all. That's why if it's not in God, it's not it. Not it. Everything that God wants is in him. Is in him. It's in him. Wow, we just, I mean, this is really powerful, and it's for you to understand. You know, when we say scripturally organic, culturally unmodified, we don't have a scripture application that fits the world's culture or their approval. They're not supposed to approve of the Bible until the Bible's in them. Mm-hmm. They can't. He said, you must be born again to even see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. He didn't say the culture of God. He said the kingdom of God. Over and over and over again. God has community in his nation. See? And she was good today. She let us talk. <laughs> he has community in his nation. But you need to stop trying to find a Christian culture and begin to extend you mm-hmm. as the God of all creation. Mm-hmm. Because our, we are the redeemed of the Lord. We don't have a religion. We have a redemption that we live out as a nation. Our nationality is that of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit and the blood of the Lamb. That's so good. You know that's good. Uh, Good. And we've got to, Apostle, stop letting the nations of this earth encroach and come into our kingdom. Can't do it. Unconverted. You're welcome, but they need to be converted. Because right now, they convert. You can't just stay in their kingdom. You need to be converted. You see how this is working out? Mm -hmm. So they're unconverted. They're coming here unconverted. They're coming to wherever Jesus is, because Jesus is not just in America, mm-hmm. okay? But they're going to wherever there is the ecclesia of the Almighty God, and they're just they're just 
jumping in, border jumping, jump right on in the precincts of salvation, mm-hmm. pretend to be saved, call themselves a Christian, mm-hmm. and have never come by the blood, never come by the word, never come by the water. The Holy Ghost can't even name them. And Jesus is like, I never knew you. Because the Lord knows those that are hidden. And do you know what the, what, what the Lord calls his? That which is bearing his life, that in which he inhabits mm-hmm. and is giving his life to. When God starts giving his life to you to live on, that's what God calls Christianity. Well, we had a great time. Hey, don't forget, you've got time. You can still get a car. You can still, you know, get a bike, motorbike. You can pedal. You know, we don't have any water near Oklahoma like that, so you can't row in here to us. But you can still do that. And some of you have the finances or some frequent flying miles that you could just hop a plane and still join us starting Thursday morning with the ordination of some more of our near prophets. You don't want to miss that ceremony either. We love you dearly. I really thank God for you all. Know that. And I pray for you fiercely because I know this is a big thing for you, even to, to face God like this and to face off with all of the things that you thought were God and then to become a partaker of not just his spirit, but his righteousness and holiness. That's a big move. I'm going to end on this one statement, and then I'm going to let Apostle Mona say goodnight to you. But I want to end on the statement, Christianity is not for cowards. God bless you, Periscope. God bless you, Facebook Live. We will, well, I won't see you next week. But she'll <laughs> see you next week. Sunday. Yes, Sunday. God bless you. It's been a pleasure. I hope you can make it in. I really do. We want to meet you. We want to bless you. We want to thank God for you. Good night. Uh, we'll be here Thursday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Come on. We got to come through. Yes.